1: Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com store.
2: This is episode 42 of The Gangster, a podcast by Scott Sigler. We are here today with our very last episode for this podcast, which is our second Q&A episode. There are two important things to note for this podcast episode. Number one, everything you will hear after I finish this everything. sentence may be a spoiler. Everything. Be forewarned. Turn and it off. And the second thing I have Turn to it tell you later. is this is going to come right back into your podcast feed uh, on Sunday. So if you are watching now, you don't necessarily need to listen on Sunday. And if you are listening on Sunday, no. Know that we did this live uh, on our weekly podcast or weekly live stream, sorry, uh, Sigler in Place, which is Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Scott or I'm sorry, youtube.com slash Scott Sigler, uh twitch.tv mm-hmm. slash Scott Sigler, and Facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. So if you'd like to join us there, we do a lot of chatting and interacting and answering questions all year long until the pandemic It's a good over. time. It's a it's good, good time. time. So come on and join us.
1: Hey, Scott Sigler, how are you? I'm doing very good. Classic Kush wants me to do a werewolf book. That might happen. Nice, all of you join nice. later and get shouted shout out by name. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. This will be a 90-minute podcast. It will be a
2: 90-minute podcast. It'll be a 90-minute live stream, you guys. So hang in with us if you like. If not, you can catch up on Sunday. We are going to milk go
1: every minute of the 90 minutes as if it's Focker's father-in-law. So I'm watching you, is what I'm little, watching you. Little all right, let's get into it. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, Here's what's coming this episode. Coming up in this episode, Gangster Q and A. More important than that, The Stone Wolves is out, motherfucker! I'll take the dollar fine, motherfucker! Boom! What's that? Lena? Lena, baby! baby. Look at that! Look at that beauty! The so you cover guys, done by L.A. Draws. Audiobook engineered by Steve the Iceberg, Ricky Berg. Oh my goodness, you guys! This is it, it's. This is such a beautiful
2: cover, and uh, the engineering. You will hear a lot of this engineering if you have purchased this book, which is available at Audible.com right now. Uh, the beauty. Beautiful work that Steve, the iceberg, Ricky Berg did. Uh, Steve and I are both convinced this was, I think, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, that this was our favorite uh, audiobook to work on, podcast to work on. This is a spectacular story.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We, I think we at Empty Set and uh, Steve... Feel free to disagree if you do. Uh, I think we have gotten, Iceberg and Scott and I, and also John Biscar. we've kind of finally found our group. It's only been a decade. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. We got it. Uh, so it's really wonderful. It's available right now at audible.com and yes. it's available at um, amazon.com. A lot of you, all no, will start wait, off I'll with these that. questions. Uh, a that. lot of people will ask, is it going to be on Nook? Is it going to be everywhere else? And the answer is, it will be worldwide on those two those two platforms dale, dale. for sure. And uh and then we're we're working on a a couple of okay. things about our audiobooks and everything okay. our e books and audiobooks and stuff. So we we won't have it there for a few weeks for anywhere else but Audible and Amazon. And that's not an exclusive thing yet, but if you're wondering, A couple about of things Milker, real whatever. quick.
1: That, as I showed, that is the Stone Wolves, written by Scott Zigler and J.C. Hutchins, who will be on our show on Wednesday, October sixth, for a live interview about the process of writing yes. that book with this big bald head, and it's <laughs> going to be great. And we have reason to celebrate. Double reason to celebrate. The book went live about five o'clock last night. The audiobook did, and you guys jumped on it so quick. Surprise, surprise. We were number one new release in space Yay! opera. Not number one in sci-fi, but number one space opera, which is kind of friggin' dope. So yeah. we, uh, you know, what beat is out Rose Have you guys ever
2: heard of that second S- book?
1: S- S- Star Wars? Scri- it's S- a werewolf Scri- story. Scri-
2: it is. Star Wars. Scar- Star Wars, S- Star, yeah. Star Wars, They're yes. werewolves who are also tinkerers and peddlers.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. So and of course you know how we do here at Empty Set how we roll since we have stuff to celebrate and we're doubly celebrating because you guys came through like gangbusters for us. It's champagne time, champagne time. So
2: if you are unfamiliar with the Sigler celebrations, I know anybody who's been in Sigler in place for a Rob, while. Rob Tinerella
1: knows this in the Sigler Sigler world. When you when you win when you win you celebrate. That's how we do in the Sigler house. So go ahead.
2: yeah. And uh, if of course if you've ever been to a Sigler fest, uh, we celebrate the wins and the wins are literally anything. At Ziggler Fest, we had somebody who was really proud one year that they paid all their bills on time. And you know what? If you've never done that and you're really proud of yourself, that's exactly what we're celebrating. Because come on now, you guys. It's been 18 months. You got
1: a lot going on oh, that you celebrate? Oh, drink that Steve oh. Rickyberg. Steve Rickyberg, you have earned the you right do. to celebrate. You are a beast you yeah. are a Stone Wolf. I'm very impressed.
2: So great uh, work. We'll move on to questions very shortly, but we want to make sure that you guys know the Stone Wolves is available in audiobook and ebook. And right now, it's only audiobook, book, and ebook because, technically speaking, thank you, this 144,000 word story qualifies as a GFL oh, novella. It's, it's so crazy. It's but, big like a pickle. Yeah. Hold on, and we, we do away. that because um, whoa. Sorry. Because novellas in the GFL cheers. timeline. Uh, cheers, my love. Congratulations. Um, t- uh, novellas in the GFL timeline are non primary stories. They are stories that are not about Quentin and the Krakens. And technically speaking, this is not about Quentin and the Krakens, even if it's a novel-sized novella. So you guys yeah, still get it.
1: Technically speaking. Yeah, you get the Kindle book for 4 dollars $4.99, $4.99 for 519 pages. We're not going to stay in business. These prices are, These prices are too low. They're too low, but we got to move out content. Move we to move Move it! Move it! You got a lot of potential as a hype man for a commercial. I, I did if commercial
2: we, ads in college. Oh, if we go into
1: the used car business, you and I are going to make a bucket load of money for the buckets Ugh, that we sell. There Chris it is McWhite,
2: on, you know I love you, but I have to do that.
4: <laughs>
1: Chris added just now in the chat room, in my
2: best Georgia accent, Hush and take my money. Oh goodness. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love, it. I love it. <laughs> so there it is. It
1: is up on Audible. It is up on Amazon and on Audible. We already have one go go grocery getter. Matt P already got it. The thing went live uh, yeah. at five o'clock last night. I'm gonna guess Matt P runs a meth factory. And did all the meth, stayed up, listened to the book, made some great meth. But don't get me wrong. Matt P. Meth is the meth that you want to have when you take a pee. That's my re-advertising slogan. We already got some uh, one five-star review. As always, you guys, when you finish this bad boy, shake thine Heine over to Audible to Amazon, leave that review, put in a startup, leave a review. And if you snagged The Rookie, when that was on sale last week, we're up to 950 reviews for The Rookie on Audible. Still want to get that done to 1,000, thousand. so get that done. Excellent work, everybody. Uh, everybody wins.
2: couple things from the chat room. Number one, uh, Jared Murdoch says Cooley also can't write a novel. He's talking about The Writer, co-written mm-hmm. by Scott Sigler and Paul E. Ridge. Cooley. And that one came in a little over 70,000 words, also not a novella. But we're calling it a novella. And Jr., I sent out your covers. I'm not sure if you got them, but I sent them to you. And the other thing I wanted to mention, thank you, Jen is Sherwood. My brother Jude is in the chat room. I love you very much. I'm oh. glad you're safe after Ida and all that stuff. And uh, I'm so sorry we didn't
1: connect chatting this weekend, but I'm going to do that soon. Maria asked me a math question, and since I do mm. all the math in this company. Because uh, my partner, oh lord, my partner can't be trusted for math. Was it four nine nine, sweetheart? Is that how it much the book is? Four nine nine, four point nine. Wait, so that's that's 19 divided by four point nine nine. That's not. It's not one hundred four dollars a page. I do all the math in this house. He does
2: all the math. Divided Yay! by now, you know why we're always overbooked.
1: <laughs> Maria, this week only, it's less than one cent per page, .0096 cents per page. That's the kind of entertainment we give you. We're going insane. Oops. All right. So now I think that covers us. We got a lot. Uh, speaking of coverage, we got a lot of sticky stuff to get through tonight. Yeah, and, but first uh, we want to
2: touch oh. base. A couple things. So there is yep. uh, every first Saturday of the month Our obviously lovely good friend, Steve Berkeyberg, who we love we love all the time, but we're very excited about today because he got the gang, uh, the Stonewalls approved in five, five business days, you mm-hmm. so guys. It's unreal. That's unheard of at Audible. Unheard of. Unheard and he of. did it. Unheard so super, super happy about that. He hosts every first Saturday of the month during the me. pandemic, he hosts this gigantic long happy hour. <laughs> and. This time it is on, what is it, October 2nd, and uh, he starts at 4 p.m. Pacific time and he goes until 11 p.m. Pacific time. It's a Zoom. If you go and search uh, Sigler Junkie Happy Hour on Facebook, you can have all the contact details. You can join. We joined last month, or this month, I guess, and it was super fun, and we're going to try to join uh, somewhat in the future when we can, but this coming one we're not going to be at because we're going to be shipping the gangster, Mm -hmm. which is arriving tomorrow afternoon. Uh, To San Diego, we're going to actually we uh, we normally get two physical copies. We both well now we live in the same address, but we used to get each of us would get a physical copy of the book before they shipped it out from the warehouse, which they did this time. And because it's COVID and because it's a pandemic and because it was Ida, our stuff is somewhere lost in Ohio. So we will also see it for the first time when it arrives tomorrow. December and Diego.
1: this is something we should have got out before we recorded the podcast, but I forgot. So we're going to do it anyways. Coming up this Friday on the live stream, this is Monster of the Week. I could not be more delighted by this. This is going to be so much fun for me. Our guest this week is Lucky Yates, who plays oh Krieger. On Archer, we've got Krieger himself in the house. Lucky Yates is a wonderful human being, a bizarre dude, and he is going to, I guarantee you, you will be entertained. We're going to be talking about Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, did I mention that one of the best TV shows of all time, The Kid Krieger, <laughs> is going to be on our show? It's just like the good old days. I am so excited. I'm at least a three-quarter chub right now. Probably a That's full definitely chub definitely by the time dollar. the show comes around. Definitely Who can no. say? But you guys should absolutely join us. Friday, September 10th. 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. If you guys are listening to this at home every Friday at twitch.tv slash Sigler, youtube.com slash sigler facebook.com slash we have a fancy pants person on and we talk about a monster, famous monster from Movies or TV. It's Monster of the Week. Last about half hour. It's a goddamn good time. We're is. We're looking forward to it.
2: So, a uh, couple of uh, housekeeping, more housekeeping things. Um, and we'll say one more time now that we're live and more people have joined. This whole podcast is spoilerific, Spoiler. so be warned Spoiler. about that. And Spoiler. two, uh Next Wednesday. So this is Wednesday. We do a Sigler in Place normally every Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. We won't have one next week because we will be shipping the hardcover gangsters out. And we do... Oh, you want to tell them? You want to oh, tell Bob, them what we're going to do? I'll tell them this one. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, also, Story Smack will return on October 9th, Saturday, October 9th. We're talking about the original Ghostbusters movie. Rob Otto will be back. It's been a long time since you guys saw him. That's Saturday, October... What? <laughs> What did I say? You said September 10th, but apparently it's October Can I screw up the graphic? I don't know. Okay, Hold on, real quick. Uh, Damn September it. 10th, yeah. I'll fix that. I'll fix that. <laughs> I haven't shared that yet. I, oh, I got it. Can you remind me to fix that? I it's, will. It's queued up to be shared. I need I to will. fix that. Thank you very much in, in the chat room. Rob Otto will be back. Ghostbusters. The original Ghostbusters. We're going to talk with Venguin and the boys Saturday, October 9th, 2021. Uh, that's, I screwed that up, too. Is it, <laughs> no, is it 2 p.m. Pacific time? It is normally at, uh, yeah, at 2 to 4 Pacific. Oh, two p.m. Pacific time, five p.m. Eastern. Uh, two through yes, five p.m. Sorry, Eastern. guys, I do all the math in this company. Um, and then that's all I'm going to say about that. That will be fun. That will be back. Let's get down. Let's get down to business, you guys. I'm very patient. It is time to talk about the gangster. Anything else we heard? One tiny little thing. Um,
2: so because we are not going to be doing a story smack next week, and we are not going to be doing a story uh, story smack. Uh, the second Saturday of every month of next month. And we're not right. Or is it this month that we're not doing it? I don't know. We're not doing a stories mac, and we're not doing a singular in place next week. We will be doing a handful of live streaming from the warehouse where we're shipping the books. We have a great good friend. Her name is Allison. She's one of my very best friends in the universe. And she has a warehouse where she ships dog and pet supplies. Uh, Her business ships dog and pet supplies. And she's loaning that space to us. Gratis to ship this book out. And it's, I, I, it's so after helpful. we had to leave the lair of doom and everything is shut down due to COVID. It's impossible to overstate how wonderful that is. So we won't have that. We won't have a signal in place next week, but you'll see us a lot on the internet. Okay.
1: Let's go. Here we rumble. go. The gangster Q and a, we've got one hour and 15 minutes left. We're going to try and get through everything. Um, I know we have one audio question, which I queued up, but I haven't listened to yet. You want to do that one now? Pardon me. Yeah. Let's just I'm get, get that. Get that bad way. Way. Out of the way. So, We will do the best we can with the audio here, and that is, yeah, ready, here we go.
3: Hey, Scott, first of all, let me say, did not expect the turn for Quentin taking over the entirety of the franchise. That was out of left field and hilarious, maybe laugh out loud. But now for the question. Yep. Did Quentin not kill Creed Doctor Splithead? If this transformation resulted in a new sentient being born, isn't giving the Gibbo the same thing as putting a bullet into his head? And if that's the case, did Quentin not fail in his moral task that he assigned to himself? He did kill his enemy. Now, you could argue.
1: Pause. love you, Gentilea. Gentilea, goodbye. Thanks Remember, for Remember, we with have spoilers. warned repeatedly about spoilers. So if you do, if you've not finished The Gangster, Turn the shit off right now. Come back after. Also, if you've not finished the gangster, pause the gangster and then go listen to Stone Wolves. Then listen to the gangster. That is preferable. Let's continue the question.
3: That he did not know the Gimblejowans would kill the sentient, even if the transformation occurred. Mm-hmm. So, this is less morally culpable, maybe. So it goes down <clears> from <throat> murder to manslaughter mm. or. Mm-hmm. with slaughter, whatever mm-hmm. the equivalent would be in this galaxy. Sentient
1: slaughter.
4: slaughter. He still
3: killed the guy. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks.
1: Okay, so the uh, sequen- sequential hermaphroditism. Did I pronounce that right? Yes. Yep. That is when a living creature of one, dig- one gender transforms into another gender. Uh, it's, it's in clownfish. It's in the cl- Look up clownfish on YouTube, man. That's just an insane, insane life cycle, which is largely where I got the inspiration for this many, many years ago. So um, if a male clownfish ascends to the hierarchy of their... Their pod. I don't know what School? School of fish? Whatever. They hang out in coral. They're crazy. They cover themselves in Crisco and Rice Krispies. Who I think knows? It's
2: called a car, right? A car of clownfish. Car. Sorry. Go on. Be very erudite. I was and, this and close author-y. to saying.
1: I was this close to saying. Is it called a car? That's really neat. <laughs> didn't, didn't see that coming up. Okay, so it. it, it you know, if the male clownfish, the female clownfish dies. And out of the three or four male clownfish, one of them ascends the female position and sort of runs the car. Is that male clownfish dead, or is that male clownfish transformed into something else, but is still essentially the same living biological creature? So I disagree. Quentin did not murder Greedock the Splithead. Greedock the Splithead has basically cocooned up like a caterpillar mm-hmm. and become a beautiful, incredibly hideous, very terrifying. Butterfly, so you, probably smells like flowers. You wouldn't say that. A, I don't think you anyone would say that a, a caterpillar commits suicide when the caterpillar becomes a moth.
2: Well, and uh, I'll only say this one more time: spoilers. Um, the uh, the transformation, the the sentient that transforms has Greedock's... Memories and experience,
1: yes, just that, not, yes. just
2: not the same take on all of that.
1: It's not. It's very similar to let's say, um, let's go back to when you were like seven, and someone, you know, someone, you thought someone took your Transformer toy, and that is grounds for war and murder at that age. And then forty years down the road, you look back like, did I have a Transformer toy? I guess I did him. I think I think Bobby stole that. No, oh, mm-hmm. no big deal. Mm-hmm. Your your The prism through which you look at life changes dramatically as you age. And I'm sure the other thing, although I've never had children, I'm sure it's very comparable to having children and then possibly having grandchildren. Those are phases of life at which your outlook changes dramatically. It's very similar to what's going on with Greedock and, uh, and The Sunshine.
2: Yeah, and I uh, will say a couple comments. Uh, G on on YouTube, who, whoever you are, he says A isn't a father, but she makes great dad jokes. She's a faux ha. All ah, the points to you, my friend. That was lovely. Where to go, G? Where to
1: go, G? All right, baby. Also, di- we di- do
2: have a very quick question: What the Bible of the Church of Siglerism would be called? And I'm asking
1: that because three quarter chub. Bruce I believe that's the three quarter.
2: Birthday soon. And he's interested.
1: What would the that's a gosh, throw us off. Throw us a S- throw S- us a signum: S- S-
2: S- S- S-
1: No, the Siglar-Nomicon. S- S- no, no. If it's the now come on, if it's the Bible of the church of siglarism, what would the Siglarites call that? I may have to give that some thought.
2: Yeah.
1: But for now I'm not sure if
2: we're gonna get to it before you need it, but for now we'll we're gonna call
1: it, it the leather bound girthy three quarter chub. That's what we're gonna call it. Next question.
2: All right. Why were you we going to turn on a fan? That sounds good. Uh, let me pick a longer one. Okay, so Nicholas Burke, you sent a whole bunch of questions. So I'll ask a few. In the GFL, is there a scientific scientific explanation for why the skin color of humans like Don Pine on some planets is different? Yes. Yes. In the story, it is a way to confront Quentin's race and speciesist upbringing, racial and speciesist, racist and speciesist upbringing. But I can't figure out if the science is hand
1: wavy or not. It's a little hand wavy, but the general premise is um, giving pigmentation to human skin so that the integument provides better resistance to the natural radiation from whatever the sun is in that system. So, in general, um, you know, if it's a, if it's a, it's a red star, that's going to wind up white. If it's a blue star, they're going to wind up blue. That's where it gets a little bit hand wavy with the description. I'm not going to get into all of the wavelength analysis and the chromosomal damage and the cellular damage and all that. But needless, basically, if you are from a system with a yellow sun, you get the panoply of colors that we have here. If you are from a system with a red sun, you get the uh, all white. And then you can also have a couple of the different skins here that, so that they won't wind up with rampant skin cancer and ulcers. And if it's a blue star, you get the blue skin. That's it in a nutshell. That's as deep as it will go.
2: Some of the uh, suggestions for Bible include the sig, sig, sigble. I don't Wait. know how to say that. The sigbol. Uh, where do you see that? Whoops, sorry. And, Chat, I got uh, excited.
1: I got excited. Hold
2: and on. And then Jude also says the, bro, the
1: Brodex, <laughs> which kills me. I like the Brodex. <laughs> And the I single. do also like The I Book See of Sigler. I do, I, do, I, I do like... I like John Viscar. The Bible of Siglerism is the Torah, sure. Mazel well, tov. Torah with an empty set Oh, there you yeah. go. Mazel tov.
2: Tov. Okay. All right. Are you ready for more?
1: <laughs> yes. Tinder Alice is just called The Book of Sigler and be done with it. All right. Let's yeah. go,
2: baby. What do we got? Dan Russell asks, if you woke up tomorrow and had to spend a week as a character from one of your books, who would it be? Bookie uh, Jang. That's what I thought you would say, but I also thought there might be a little bit of business, Sean, a little bit of want Sean for business. Dyer,
1: Sean Dyer, the playbook. Don Very good. Son. Very good. As long as there <laughs> isn't, great. as long as there isn't some, uh, 20 to 28 to 35 year old bro who's written a book on how to, how to Mac on chicks, it's oh, I'm called sure. the playbook. Then yes, it will be the playbook, but, uh. They, those guys. Oh my god, they're so vile. All right, let's go.
2: All righty. Uh, Godfrey Lee asks is Obelisk Obelisk based on a real game? If not,
1: what are some of the rules for it? Uh, can we get Chris's question? Chris McWhite's question here after this one? Sure, of course. The rules for Obelisk I've always kind of um I've kind of hoped that someone might uh, a creative game person might try and come up with it. The basic premise of it is it's it's a chess-like game perhaps with a little hint of risk or a little bit of chinese checkers in there which are all you know kind of similar type thing but the general elements of it are you are trying to build up towers the higher you build, it, you have to do something to get another layer onto your checker piece. So if you got checker then you got a king, it just keeps stacking up. I don't know if you guys, when you were kids, played checkers with uh, super king and emperor. So that was four high. I don't remember the I don't remember what the rules were. Eventually, I know when you got to five high, you just pick up the whole stack and throw it at your buddy's face, and he had to sit there and bleed. That was the rules. So what we did, boy. Bleed from game.
4: checkers. Bleed.
1: Oh, now you bleed. Have you never seen little boys play? Geez, they just throw really stuff sure at each other's face. Not really sure what's happening with my neck when I say that. But come bleed. on, now, bleed. So, <laughs> that? so that's the premise and and but there have to be some kind of modifiers. The higher you build your tower, I believe, the more defensive it, abilities it has. But the movement and the offensive capabilities are probably reduced. so that's the that's about all I've got for Obelisk so far. It's really just a vehicle to show that um Quentin's strategic vision is an all always limited to the lines of power. And that is something that will definitely come into play in, in book
4: eight. Spoiler What? Sorry. Good.
1: All right.
2: <laughs> that wasn't me, Chris. That I don't was know what him. happened. I
1: don't know. Uh, uh, so Chris
2: McWhite asks, uh, gender reassignment is thorny in mm-hmm. real life. Forced is really thorny. What might the purest nations take on Q's choice? Okay.
1: Be- That's an easy one for me because first of all, the purest nation, is adamant that it is one human man and one human woman. There is zero margin for error there. Any homosexuality is, is definitely shoved into the shadows. We're talking like, you know, 1940 Salt Lake City, Utah. Like, And I'm just throwing that out there. I don't really know that they're particularly homophobic culture. But um, it is more, let's go, ni- let's go 1950s Russia. It is not... USSR, excuse me, is not something that is tolerated. And also, there are literal laws against non-human beings being on a, the soil of a purest nation planet. Buddhist City is provided an exemption because without that foreign capital and that trade coming in, the purest nation would be the, even more repressed and poorer than it is right now. So uh, their answer would be, kill them. That, the purest nation, just stone them with stones until dead. That's it. But also let them go to the outpost Buddha city and let us take their money. Yeah. Which is, you know, an analogous to here. You may buy forgiveness. What's that called back in the old days, of the medieval church, a pennant, a pennant, not a pennant. Some you could, you could sin and then you could handle like, okay, I sin. How about I leave this bag of gold right here? Have I sinned? And they'd be like, sin, what are you talking about? There's I'm not no sure sin. that
2: has gone that, that went away in the middle ages. No, I think that's but it was today. more.
1: It was more pronounced in the Middle Ages. Anybody in the chat room knows what that indulgence is. Thank you, Sean. All right, so that's it. Next question, but All righty, uh, Barbara Youngbauer, who dispensation. Thank you, Mody. Holy
2: mm-hmm. cats, is an OJ? Uh, we love you. Thank you for the email. She says, "Good morning, longtime junkie, first time caller. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at work listening to the first Q and A for the gangster gangster because Mondays are my Sigler podcast day. Here's my question: Is the crypt? The ship, not the book, an
1: Abernessian ship. Um, the crypt, Okay, let me think about that. Oh, so hold on, sweetie. That's right. we're a lugging guys, so things get friggin' nutty it's here. Those of you listening deck. at home, we're pouring champagne like it's going out of style. We celebrate the wins. Uh is it an Abernessian ship? Is the crypt an Abernessian ship? Uh no. I wanted I just I w wa- I I kinda had to think through um all of the plot lines and all the red herrings. And if you believe what I'm saying, I say no, but also I lie for a living, so take that in stride. All righty. Brian Gregory says he made it for the chugging. That's a oh, that's hey, a loaded nice phrase. Hey, I made it for the chugging. Okay. Also, spoiler central. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Chris Grawl, I said it. Aiden did it. So. Chris Grawl, cheers. This
2: is a huge one, and I'm reading the whole thing, but you got to answer fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Hit I it. need you to make sure that's live, right? Yes. Okay. So, Ali, I know you're in the chat room, so I'm reading your question. He hasn't heard it. We are doing the short list of names for our baby girl due in December. As Quentin and Rebecca are also having a baby girl, we would Mm -hmm. like to add their baby's name to our baby's name shortlist.
0: However, the (laughs) next book will not
2: be out until after our baby arrives. Can you let us know her name early? I'm going to jump in here and say, if you don't want to answer that question live, but you are willing to answer that question for Ali, I'll allow it. I mean, you know, privately for Ali, I'll allow it. Let me finish the rest of it. He says, Rebecca is already on our short list, which is
1: great. Oh.
2: oh, this is first name, not a last name? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we would also really love if our baby girl's first book was one of Scott's, and as most of his books are not suitable for babies, would it be possible for Sparkle Horse to finally be written? Even if it's just a novella.
1: Which we know <laughs> today is not necessary. Real quick. Sean Dyer in the chat room has said, but Scott, you wore a shirt that said reliable narrator that time. How can I trust that shirt now? <laughs> That's a very good point. Also, smart ass, go to the front of the class and Absolutely. Put, put the ball in jacks away. Sean, it's in the front. Can you just put your hands on the desk? Put your hands on the desk. I feel like he should
2: get to put his hand into the swear jar.
1: He should get to the golden cute oh, bucket oh, and grab geez. out, throwing out some money, <laughs> throwing out some monies. I am a reliable narrator hey, in that everything you read in a book, you will never, you will never read a hundred pages of say a villain where the villain doesn't think any villainous thoughts. You will never read about a character who's trying to pull the wool over the star empire's eyes, but never has a thought where, like, I'm just not going to think any thoughts about pulling the wool over the... Because the unreliable narrator, the point of that is to make you, the reader, believe your only eyes and ears to a world is thing A, and it turns out to be thing B. To me, it is not a clever device at all, because the reader has no... Possible way of knowing that it's a fake thing. So, reliable narrator means you will not experience that in my books. As far as baby names, yep.
2: <laughs> so, that's you're not going to name live the Oh, no. The rebellious- no, no. Right.
1: I would just, I got, I, let's see. Um, still, it's a work in progress. Jungboten Lipschitz Barnes Montaigne that's a hyphen Barnes Montaigne oh. so Jungblotten Lipschitz Jungblotten Lipschitz is the middle name Jungblotten is the first name so, so
2: interestingly I read this question because I'm so excited for you and your wife Ollie but also because I thought for sure he would suggest Scott because he does that every chance he gets Which if I he forgot. meets a pregnant human being yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> call, call her Scott Sigler one yeah. word that is her first name And she will go far in life, I assure you.
2: Oh, I love it. Okay. Uh, Shall we move on? Yep. All righty. So, Randy Barill asks, How do Vyrak and Masal know so much about care and needs of the new queens specifically, and Gibblejuants generally? Mm -hmm. Do all workers and warriors have this knowledge? Mm -hmm. Is it locked in at a genetic level? If so, how can the leaders have no clue? If not, how could they have been so prepared?
1: I'm not sure what he means by no clue. Uh,
2: I think he, I think because <sighs> okay, Chris, girl, you win. It, it's sort of a spoiler to say this, but Greedock doesn't see it coming.
1: No, Greedock doesn't see it coming and okay, let's let's talk about two things at once. Number one, this shit's illegal as all get out. Illegal as hell. Um and it is so illegal and Especially for, it is especially illegal for a non-Quith to possess this substance to the point where they will be executed on site if they are caught in possession of this substance in certain areas of the Quith culture. Also, Quith warriors and Quith workers and Quith leaders can potentially be executed on site for possession of this material. Quith leaders get a lot more. A lot more flexibility. They get a chance to prove their innocence. But if you are, if you are a warrior carrying around a vial of gibble juance, you're done. You're toast. It's over. They put a bullet in your head. No, no, no lawyer, no trial. It's over. It's a very brutal aspect of their culture. So, and because of that, you know, no one expects the Roman Inquisition. That is part of, part, because it is so rare, so hard to obtain and it is so illegal to the point of the of capital punishment it's just not seen very often it's not seen very often the human equivalent would be you know you you may be In a business rivalry with a rival firm, say you both have cleaning companies Mm -hmm. and even running ads against each other. Let's say they're political rivals. You're political rivals. You run all these horrible ads against each other. You're lying your butt off all over the place. And then a political rival B goes to political rivals A's house at 3 o'clock in the morning and murders his three children with a hammer. Don't see that coming. It doesn't cross your mind that you need to protect yourself against your political opponent killing killing your children with a hammer. So uh, that is why he didn't see it coming. Uh, And also remember, Quentin didn't obtain this himself. Somebody else obtained it and thrust it upon Quentin. Mm -hmm. So Greedek was very right not to suspect it because Quentin didn't even know what the hell it was until it showed up on his doorstep. Yeah. So now I have a couple questions. Okay. Uh, Oh, wait. Um, Hold that. And then the other answer to that question is it is taught this, these laws and this process and these cultures are taught to every quith. As soon as they enter primary school, every quith knows the rules. It is a genetic impetus that is further reinforced by schooling and culture and tradition. Go ahead, babe.
2: So I have a couple, two, three things to say. One, I always think of this as akin to, you guys may remember this, sometime in the last 10 years or something, there was a russian guy who was at the millennium hotel in london and had a tea had high tea and then he died three days later of polonium poisoning and Mm -hmm. to this day nobody knows where it came from it's one of those things that is so wildly um uh, aggressive inside your body like polonium is in a human being that there's just no stopping it once it starts the second thing i want to say is i don't know that we ever find out where it comes from so far right uh, several people are asking, what is it? How is it made? Where did it come from?
1: It is... Uh, I, I will I will not get into details. I have a life cycle all figured out, <laughs> but it's not no longer germane to the plot because we will not see this device again. But mm-hmm. it is a... It's really complicated. Here we go. Simple. It is a hormone that can only be secreted by certain females. It is very similar to royal jelly in that regard. So it is... In, in the evolution of the quith, the the point of it is when a quith female realizes she is near the end of her time, she will secrete this substance in order to make another quith one of her sequential hermaphrodite subordinates. Did I just say that? Wow. I sound yeah, smart. You did. One of my sequential hermaphrodite and I screwed it up. Sequential hermaphrodite subordinates can be elevated to then continue on the lineage and protect the tribe. Now, that's the primitive growth of this, this species. Once they attain uh, sentience, develop the written word, develop technology, and start to get into capitalism and commerce and power struggles, all of that changes. The biology hasn't changed. Just like ri- you know, women produce offspring, that hasn't changed in the human, in the human race. But the, the accoutrements and the culture around women producing offspring has sure. changed a significant amount because of all the new things that we got.
2: Great. I have a third question, uh, just for clarity. If, say, in this particular scenario, when mm-hmm. Masal or Vyrak seized that vial, mm-hmm. if they took it away from a human mm-hmm. to bring it to someone safe, mm-hmm. would they still get killed?
1: It's very, very possible. Yeah,
2: but... that's, I, I figured that was the answer, and that's, a, that's an important thing to note. It's a risk that it's there at all. And it's it's a risk and a crappy thing that Quentin does
1: that to the quith. The the, the quith are the most human-like culture, but they also have this very alien element to them, which is self-preservation and self-identification are not as strong in quith workers and quith warriors as they are in every human that is alive today. It doesn't mean they're pushovers. It doesn't mean they want to kill themselves or they'll die if they're told to die. It just means they are... There, it's a much more feudal caste based system, mm-hmm. based somewhat on medieval Japanese cultures. So they, they have that going. And the, the Sklorna, of course, are completely alien from the perspective of just being batshit crazy, mm-hmm. but also the fact that cannibalism no big deal to them. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, we got too many population. Easy. Kill these ones, feed these ones, problem solved. And it doesn't, they don't, in no point do they think that is a wrong or a bad thing. That is just the way things are. The Quiff culture maybe look at a vial of Gibraltar and just like, well, that's bad. And yeah. they just walk away. It doesn't occur to them to do something about this problem unless it falls into a particular set of stimuli and circumstance.
2: So John Viscar is in the chat room. John Viscar, if you are listening on the podcast, is our continuity czar. He is also a great good friend of Scott's, great good friend of mine, does so much work to help us keep the Siglerverse straight. As As Scott writes the books, he says the fact that it is a hormone – Secreted by female Quith is revealed in a ch- in the chapter "The Hidden Queens" in the Gangster. So been, if you haven't yep. read that yet, you'll see that then. No, wait, uh, John
1: is it's uh, the Hidden Queens is in the Gangster, but I think that text of the Hidden Queens is actually in an earlier book. I think. So I too. think it may be in the All Pro, as a matter of fact.
2: I think so too, but it matters here. Yeah. <laughs> so So uh, Andrea Minor asks, this is a related but different question. Hit me. It was my impression that a quith queen's mate, along with inheriting all of her worldly wealth and being responsible for all of her care, also gets to father her future children. Mm -hmm. Now that Quentin is Gridoka's protector, how does she breed? I have an image in my head of Quentin having an interview with potential fathers. (laughs)
1: Oh, I thought you'd have an image of Quentin getting up all on that spidery business. Oh, no, no, just having
2: to interview potential.
1: No, no, that is a negative four-quarter chub right there, all the way down, no problem. Um, I got upset, I lost my point. Oh, so here's the crazy thing about the Quith culture. So a female cannot own anything, can't own anything at all. That all must be owned by The male, except it's not the male, it's the male's, uh, plural. A female quith who can own nothing unto herself is allowed to have as many mates as she wishes. So she Mm -hmm. has her own harem. So she can't own anything, can't technically buy anything of her own, can't own any possessions. But she she can get that. (laughs) If she she wants to have seven to 10 little tiny quiff leaders going to town in the business, that's her business. She gets to decide who gets to get all up in her spidery goodness. And the more, the more mates and husbands that she procures, the richer that she is. So it's a very, very, very complicated culture. And you, you can get Three husbands in one harem who will go to war with each other if she can't control them. So they're controlling her. She's controlling them. It's, uh, it's very Elizabethan. It's nuts. Next question.
2: <sighs> My dear Madeline Ciccarelli <laughs> Thank asked you. this job, question. Yeah. Uh, she asks, I'd like to know how each character and species has a unique voice. Mm-hmm. Most of the alien voices have a filter mm-hmm. on them, so I would love to know what they sound like without the filter.
1: So, you guys, should we? Uh, I, I've i been warned about this. I haven't heard this yet, but I, I was forced to prepare it. Uh, technically speaking, nobody was forced. Ricky Berg, once again, I was the
2: iceberg. The iceberg. In a perfect iceberg. God damn it.
1: That's perfect. God
2: damn it. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> In the pin in a pinch hitting moment. And now you see how empty set works on the inside. Pulling back the curtain. Um, because we were preparing for this episode, and we finished the Stone Wolves, and we finished the gangster, and Ricky Berg had so much to do with that. My man the iceberg put together a gangster audiobook blooper
1: reel. So we're gonna listen to it. We haven't heard it. Okay, here we go. And, oh, I think I deleted the name of it, but this should work. Here we go. In a perfect reality, God damn it. (laughs) I'm pausing it. Yes, that was me having my phone in my pocket while recording a professional-grade audiobook and apparently having to get alert from ESPN.
2: After, I said, you
0: sure you don't have your phone in your pocket?
1: And I said, shut up, woman. I know what's up. I'm a professional. I don't. I do not. I've been doing this for 20 years, woman. Back off. Ready? Here we go. My long dangly cord got in the way. You know how it goes. <clears throat> you heard that, Steve? I'm doing a whole lot of drugs. Oh, okay. Oh <laughs> wait, I'm. Well, now, this Steve, one. I've confessed to. You, I'm doing a whole lot of drugs. <laughs> Which uh, I'm sure Steve's not at all surprised.
2: <laughs> oh Lord!
1: Ah, scared the shit out of me. <laughs>
4: I can't believe you can hear There's me. There's someone in the booth
1: with me. Oh, I'm literally, I'm literally sweating from the forehead. It's a big forehead. Have you heard of a guild splinter group called the Vermada? No, it sounded like fucking Trump. <laughs> it off my sweatshirt. I've had enough. <laughs> Did I say throw it
0: on the ground?
1: Okay, here we go. Thanks, man tier three players in a backwater system that didn't have the same medical technology readily available to the league of shit <coughs> becca blinked triple that's what he said that's what he said <laughs> sorry i'm pausing it that helicopter is not in the audiobook file oh okay i wasn't sure you ain't never know that's how good our audio is you can't tell if it's real life or not
2: also, while we're waiting for Joe, that, Carlson. Joe Carlson says
1: it's not a 4 it's a six-head. I've been going by five-head for a while, but I guess now that I shave it, I guess technically it is a six-head. Yes, I will accept this. Ooh, sexy I will accept this uh, This punishment. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> <You> go shit. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do those two lines again, Steve. Sorry, buddy. I'm fucking dying on... I'm dying in here, dude. I don't like the writing. <laughs> Removal surgery requires a long recovery, Reed said. The CMR allowed Sandoval to wait until after the Galaxy Bowl, so there would be no interpretation. God damn it. Fuck this fucking bullshit. That's terrible. Every right? day. Christ.
2: Every recording God damn day. damn it.
1: I'm off to a rough start this morning. Miss Montaigne, please. That doesn't make any fucking sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pause it? Oh, okay. So you guys- Oh, my face <laughs> hurts. This is why the audiobook read is supposed to be the last edit in a book that I narrate because <sighs> holy shit. I forgot. I paused it for another reason. I, for- I forgot what I was going to say.
2: And here's the thing. <sighs> Steve has chosen the best. This audiobook is huge, you guys. like 17 I'm hours swollen. long or something, right? It's And he has chosen the best bloopers, meaning there are a whole bunch where he's just like and just like they're not funny, so he's chosen the best ones. Yeah. Let's do more.
1: Okay, here we go. Reality. God damn it. Oh,
2: you scooted up. You, you scooted. Oh, I did. You Shoot. Did. I'm sorry about yeah, that, guys. There you go. Right, right
1: there. there. Right. A little back. Miss Montaigne, please. Perfect. That doesn't make any fucking sense <laughs> at all. Here we go. Quentin scanned the area. Scan the area. Quentin scanned the room. No windows, no other door. Fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) Well, he he didn't say he didn't like it, so clearly it's fine with him. Lombardi's ancient writings define... Oh, fuck me. I do not pay you. (laughs) (laughs) Greedock took a shot at some good stuff. Fuck, who wrote this fucking shit? Jesus Christ. Very interesting, Greedock said. But from where did the... (laughs)
2: Oh, shit, I messed it up. Why'd ah, you do that? why Because I was going to pause oh, it. I thought man. that I'd pause it. What I wanted to say is...
1: No, one, one sec.
2: <laughs> there it is, yeah. Sorry, babe.
1: Hold on. <clears throat> wait, wait. Hold that thought. Greedock took a shot of some good stuff. <clears throat> okay, go ahead, baby.
2: Um, What I love... It works better, what I love Steve. so much about that is Steve put the Greedock filter on that so you could hear how funny it is that he screwed up. And... He hasn't hasn't done that in the previous blooper reels, and it's perfection, even though it doesn't really answer Madeline's questions. And also, uh, Sean Dyer points out that no windows and no doors, it's quite a difficult room to get into.
1: Yeah, it's very difficult. Also, we had some strange person in the chat room for YouTube. I think everybody can see it. But fortunately, uh, Restream.io offers us the opportunity to block douchebags. So we blocked that douchebag, and now we're moving on. Here we go. Next one, babe. Ready? Ready? Mm-hmm. Fuck, who wrote this fucking shit? Jesus Christ. Very interesting, Greedox said. But from where did the... Pi- <laughs> I don't know. I... does the Dolly. Okay. I gotta quit picking words I can't pronounce. <laughs> I'm holding an imaginary tea, by the way. <laughs> Just my... Where I'm sitting my butt. Hey, we're going to have some tea, are we? What? <laughs> some tea that will be very funny. People will laugh. <laughs>
0: that <laughs> is not do. how it's any of that funny, works.
1: Uh, do, what the fuck he said his eyes on those means, I have no idea. <laughs> Just delete that. Steve, we're listening to a plane.
2: <laughs> we listen to a Sadly, lot by of planes. by the time
1: you get to this edit, it won't matter anymore because we'll be done. Steve, we're waiting on a plane. <laughs> it's like, it's like, a, you know, like a crime movie. We're waiting on a plane. Sooner or later, that plane's going to take off and then we're out of here. But it's oh. a fucking loud blank. You know what I'm saying? Fucking loud. It should run out of fuel soon.
2: Uh, Debra L. Carr. no. No,
1: none oh God, at God, all drinking. So if we set this up so that he thinks he's got... God fucking damn it. Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> I'm, I'm going to push through this fucking thing. Fuck it. There's another goddamn glance. Fuck, I hate this shit. <laughs> Oh, that's weird. Uh, What does that mean? Uh, Quentin would make sure she got her money. Uh, Fuck me. God damn it. Quentin looked up again. Uh, Is that another plane? This is great. (laughs) Holy shit. He missed her so much. When he held her in his arms again, fuck me, God damn it!
4: <laughs> Eldermont, <laughs> la, la, la.
1: <laughs> and that very is, well done, Steve. That was fantastic. That is our uh, that is our blooper reel. Uh, the problem was we, um, yes, we do live near Miramar. Something the chat room and we're also in a major uh, th- uh, throughput. That's yep. a that's an aeronautic term. We it's live, a throughput.
2: We live less than a quarter mile from I five in California.
1: No, yes, yes we do. Uh, Gabrielle, no, I have no no controlled substances whatsoever nope. during the recording of Naughty Book tonight. However, there's going to be a whole bunch because I had a book come out and. You got a book come out? Stuff's going to get nutty. Yeah. Stuff's going to get nutty, nutty tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Uh, nice try, Garrett. Thank, thank you. you. I'm so glad you guys much like iceberg. Steve, and you guys just, uh, how about a round of applause? Let me see some clap icons in the chat room. Or drink just, icons. Just for Steve to put that together, that takes a significant amount of time. And also, I'm pretty sure that Steve having to just, at some point, doing this for literally 15 hours a day, cutting through all of my just yelling, he's just, he's got to be like, I need a break. I'm going to take a break by listening to Morrow Scott's voice and then send him this uh, audio file, which makes him look idiotic and everything balances out. So
2: I have one additional secret, which we're not releasing yet because it's too soon. But Steve and I have a absolute uniform favorite character in The Stone Wolves, and you <laughs> haven't heard that yet. So... In a future, Sigler in Place, not on this podcast, not on the Q&A podcast. It's not going to be in the podcast feed, but it'll be in the weekly live stream. We will share that voice and uh, tell you why it's our favorite. And right. I bet he probably has a handful of bloopers that are about So
1: that. going back to, uh, yes, there's a filter in every voice, and then... For some characters, I try to have a different cadence. You can tell that with the Sklorno. I go to my falsetto. I introduce a different cadence, and that they have. There's an alien way of speech. Quith warriors have an alien way of speech. Um, Quith leaders is not quite as dramatic. Quith workers is a very, very subservient and extraordinarily polite pattern of speech, mm-hmm. sort of British butler, but with an American accent. Um, so there, there's a, there's something a little bit different for all of, for all the different races. So hopefully, if I make it a little bit different with speed, with tone, with intensity, then once Steve applies the filter onto it, it really starts to become its own. This this species sounds like this, and still offering me some flexibility to create different characters.
2: And I will say, many, 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 many of you have written in and said, "Wait a minute, is." Bumberpuff a William Shatner tribute. Oh, yes. So he also does that. He looks oh, right, at at iconic voices that you will know. What you talking about, Willis? Or something like that. He doesn't use that one. Um And uses that as the kickoff point to do his work so that you sort of, yeah, we call it a button, but you sort of see that. Um, And I will also say, Wesley, thank you for joining. I saw your question right before we started, but you didn't attach anything to that email, so I didn't add it. Um, If you would, we will let you know what we think. (laughs) Um, But there's no attachment there. Okay, Jason Lombardo asked a question on the last Q&A, and then he says... uh, then uh, he re-asked, he says, like, Scott has been writing the GFL for 40 years. I want to know the final reading order of this series in Scott's own mind. Because when book eight comes out, I'm going to reread every
1: single thing in the series. Uh, Transformer Swan asks, is the Stone Wolves available on audiobook yet? What? There it is. What? How do you like that? Number 1 new release of space opera Scott Sigler, JC Hutchins, The Stone Wolves available on Audible and on Amazon in audiobook. You're welcome. Enjoy. If
2: you want to check out that whatever new the second number 2 Star Wars yeah. thing is? Yeah. a thing, fun. it's
1: a little thing. It's I they're cute. they're very, they're cute kids. I love them. They're very uh, cute. What so, was a, I missed so a question? So what is the reading order for the GFL? Oh my god. Uh I believe if uh I and we can't show this in the chat. John, could you maybe paste the reading order in, and then I'll copy it and put it in for YouTube um, and Facebook and everything else. But we have a very specific reading order. Yeah, babe.
2: Uh, I think one of the big questions that he's asking is: gangster or
1: Stone Wolves first? The champion, <clears throat> Stone Wolves, the gangster. GFL book five, the Stone Wolves. GFL book six, and John will. Gabrielle uh, De- 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 Carr asks. Pardon me. I got all champagne burps. It's how, that's how much of a swaggery, manly man I am. She asks, how do I get my name in a novel? The only way to do it now is you must get a Siglerism tattoo and send us a picture of the tattoo. That is a tall order. That is a bold claim. That is much to ask of a fan. And yet, I ask it because we are so backlogged. <laughs> There's yeah. like 50 tattooed people who are waiting to get their name in a book. That is the only way to do it. And when you do it, I cannot promise you that it will be a prompt. It could be five or six years. We're very backed up. Also, please don't try and send me... Like you know, a picture of a fish because you like rainbow trout, and say it's like Danny the Lundy's fish. He slaps people with no. It's got to be an actual sigil tattoo. However, if you have questions of what constitutes that before you go under the needle, you can send those questions to info@emptyset.com. Mm-hmm. We will answer them. I will work. I will work closely with you to provide you the consultancy you need to be successful in life. So yes,
2: Brian Jacob asks. <clears throat> excuse me. If Brian uh, Brian Jacob asks, I okay. You're right, Chris. I'm going to say it a lot. Spoiler. Uh, for the gangster. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved the reveal that Q's father was on the PUV James Keeling. Yeah, yeah. But had yeah. a theory slash semi-question about his identity. Oh, let's get into that. Here we go. Is it possible that Q's dad is connected to the givers that were traveling around sharing faster-than-light technology. I remember something along the lines of that, that not much was known about the givers, but normally in the past, when information on the various races was shared, it connected to story points-slash-character interactions later. Mm. However, the givers haven't connected to anyone yet.
1: Um, I will say, no, not connected with the givers. Yes, yes. Very involved with the PV James Keeling, aka the Crypt, and you're just frankly going to have to wait for that until I get the Crypt Book One and Two, possibly other Crypt books out. And even then, I will not promise you that you will be able to figure it out. But uh, that will be one of the for 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 people who are just discovering me from the Crypt series by itself. And I uh, a and I talk about this a lot. We think it'll be very popular. I think it'll bring a lot of new readers and the it's um. Th- there are so many Easter eggs. Just hang tight, uh, I did you guys. Again. You did it. I, I sorry. I'm not supposed to move the screens because we lose. think tight. We'll get it. But for the pod, let's continue with the podcast, people, and see if this comes back on. Yeah. If will. not, I'll go get it. Um. The. The. Stories that you have read so far all factor in heavily to push it back. Okay. Let's try that. The stories you read all. F- f- They all figure in into the Siglerverse. It's all leading up to everything that happens in the crypt. It's going to be great. I'm going to go fix this camera right now. baby. basically tell them, give them a nutshell that people who read the crypt won't get all these drags, but the people who are doing what they're doing now.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. So as you guys all know, the Siglaverse, do you want to switch to this camera? Can you do that? It's also
1: dead. Oh, okay. I got to I see. fix that.
2: Live um, TV. Live TV, you guys, let's do it live. So uh, as you guys all know, the Siglaverse is connected. The Siglaverse is connected in more ways than we see in writing right now. So even if you speculate as Brian did and not necessarily put poorly uh he you know there's a lot of stuff there there we go we're back yeah, okay. um uh, you do get some information, but you need time and energy and more pieces to bring them all in together. So uh, I actually already deleted that question because that's how I do. He says, is it possible that Q's dad was connected to the givers? The givers you hear about in the GFL, Quentin's dad you hear about just recently in the GFL. Is it possible? It's always possible. But he'll take over now. Thank OK, goodness.
1: so um, I can't tell you what's going to happen. Otherwise, you wouldn't buy the goddamn books. But I will say that everything, all of these hands, all of these connections, they're all going to pan out at some point. Hopefully you live long enough to hear how they all pan out. But I'm very excited for the crypt. I got a lot of work to do before I get to it. Can't wait. Next question.
2: This is a yes or no question if you're willing to do it. it. Uh, Nathan Harris asks, mommy from nocturnal and quith female seem to have a lot of similarities. Are they related in any way? None. Zero. Completely different species. Terrific. Terrific. Jared Miller asks, on last week's Q&A, Scott made reference to deleted scenes that he had to remove during the editing process. What is the scene you had to remove that was the hardest to cut? And if you didn't have so many other books on tap, would you ever consider offering up a collection of such deleted scenes?
1: I don't think so. I I will say that I know that Brandon Sanderson just recently uh, hired. The dude is made of money. um, Frankly, at this point, he hired an audiobook narrator to read an old version of one of his books. And he put it up for free. Oh, sorry, honey. He put it up for free on YouTube because he's that much of a cool dude and just wants to entertain his fans. Um, I don't think that's something you'll see from us. I don't think you'll ever see anything where I'm going to post cut scenes in any way because the scenes were cut for a reason and then the amount of stitching that I do and then that John Viscar has to go in after the fact and like make sure, you know, okay, we well cut this. Now this is broken. This doesn't work, et cetera. It's just the, the, the amount of work you guys don't see is, is mm-hmm. very is significant. The amount of words get cut, Basically, when you read a 100,000 word novel of mine, I'm not being flippant when I say there's probably 100 to 125,000 words that get cut and or and or rewritten. So you will not see those stuff cuz they're not good enough for you. That's, you know, not yeah. I'm not blowing sun, sunshine up your ass, but your time and your money are extraordinarily valuable to us. We're not going to give you shoddy crap that that doesn't make sense. Maybe someday there'll be some crazy cutscene where I cut it whole cloth and want to put it back in, but right now, no. Uh,
2: I will also add this: there are some scenes that are so good and so big, uh, and there's a specific one I've mentioned already in Pandemic. Is it okay with uh, with uh, Margo's uh, Margot and Otto's uh, relationship mm-hmm. that changed so significantly? Uh, and it's the dream sequence. If you read that book, you see that there's a dream sequence with a with a primary character from from Infected, and that whole sequence was written with not Perry Dossie in it. And uh, it's a be- it's a wholly different and beautiful thing, but it just didn't work like the mechanics work the beauty of a heartbreaking conversation worked but that conversation didn't work and rightfully so that's why he has editors that's why he has John Viscara that's why he has people who will tell him the hard things like i see what you're doing it, it didn't it this it, it doesn't quite get together um and you we talk about it a lot with the secret agents with the secret agents who are about military um processes or weapons or mm-hmm. or, or um Uh, trucks and tanks and stuff that's easy to understand. Oh, that's not how a Glock works. But sometimes the same thing happens and that's not how a heartbreak works or that's not how a marriage works or that's not how a parenting Mm -hmm. works. And he has to do the same thing. And it's I don't think it would fit. I don't think it would work. You'd be like, "Ah, oh, this doesn't sound like Margot. This doesn't sound like Perry. This doesn't sound like, D-. like, that's what would happen. So we don't do that.
1: I will say this will move on. Uh, John Viscar in the chat room says he has a favorite cut scene that he's really bummed didn't make the cut. So we will consider that scene yeah. only as a <laughs> podcast special thing at another time. Next. Let's go yeah, lightning round. Sure. we got 20 yeah, minutes. Lightning
2: round. Okay, well, one more because I, I love this. Okay. Robert Gelb, uh, congratulations to you and Christine. I know it's very late. Um, my understanding is that the Quith Concordia is one of the very few places that Kretorakians do not control. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Becca just stick to Quith Concordia in her media
1: efforts to raise awareness that Quentin was being held by Kretorakians? It's complicated. The Quith Concordia does not control any of the orbiting Stations, so OS 1, 2, and 3, they do not control. They control all or large swaths of the, the, the Quith planets. What the Kredorakians found militarily was they could use their swarm massive. Uh, ablation loss tactics to take over large parts of quith planets. What they could not do was find a way to take out the orbital stations because the orbital stations were perfectly willing to seal up the hatches and nuke large sections to deny the Kretorakians access. And the Kretorakians quickly came to realize that these crazy motherfuckers named Ice Cube will blow up the entire orbital station rather than give up their controlling their freedom. And at that point the Credereaks is like, well, this this isn't worth it. We're like it will. you'll see more about the Credereakian method of warfare and and mentality in book uh, 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. But in, in a nutshell, they were like this is just wasting lives for no purpose and wasting resources for no purpose and they gave up.
2: Which is wonderful, because uh, on Earth, we often sacrifice lives Ooh, and resources. Costa Rica no in the house.
1: Andres. <laughs> uh, Andres Viad. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> welcome, everybody in the chat room on YouTube. Uh, give Andres a big uh, big welcome. We're happy to have you. Welcome, and I hope you're enjoying this. Also, spoiler alert, everything you'll see from this point on is a spoiler for all of our books, so feel free to wave and tap out. All good. Next uh, question. Kelly
2: Prison asks, <laughs> she says, I came across a... U- er, they say, I came across a YouTube video last year that compared sizes of several dozen popular <sighs> science fiction so space so craft, good. including Love the it. new, the few puny human jalopies. My favorite thing all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does share the link, which I'll put in the chat room. But she says, my question is, where would these Siglerverse crafts okay. wedge in between on that scale? Where does the crypt uh,
1: the crypt is is not that big. The crypt is uh, the the basis for the crypt is the USS Virginia. Um, you Guys can look that up, but that is the the general scope of it. It's going to be a little bit more. Sorry, a little bit more swollen. What? And but what, what? the general concept. Right now, we're working on the crypt at somewhere. I'm working with Chris Grawl on this at a crew of roughly uh, crew and officers, eighty to ninety. And a, the, the fighters, pilots, and crew and support support personnel, roughly 50. And then there'll be roughly, we're, we're still work, puzzling this out, but probably somewhere in the vicinity of 50 to 100 Marines. It's a very modular strategy, so that when the Crip comes back to port, they take out this, these heavy armament units and bring in infiltration units and go back on the next mission. So you're looking at about 200. Next one. Uh, what about the touchback? The touchback is is much bigger than the crib. The touchback is going to be, say, if you were to take uh, a couple of uh, a couple of oil tankers, you know, probably three abreast, and probably I think they only need to go two or three long. Um, so there's enough room to fit in a full regulation football field, and then have a, basically. One football field for ship, an actual football field, and another football field behind it for engines and engineering support. That's what you're looking at. Okay. And the Rock to Pie ship from Earthcore. That's the beast. That is. Uh, That's not messing around. Over five miles long. And <laughs> this is a funny story five miles long, 3.5 miles wide. And when I made this, I specifically went searching for all the science fiction I knew to try and make the biggest ship ever turns out there's a whole lot of science fiction I didn't know about which I learned when I watched that video and, and other sources of information find out like it's a big ship it's not the biggest ship but it's a really big big ship
2: and I have put that link that YouTube link in the chat room for the live stream and mm. I will put it in the post it's one of for my favorite videos viewing. I it's, love it so much I have watched it 16 times and I I'm not this guy I don't oh my love spaceships and it's just so beautifully done yes, and you movie. should watch big it girl. if you haven't done it all right let's go. Uh, James Ray says. Thank you for your books. They've gotten my family through tough times oh by providing we much, love to hear that. much needed distractions with intriguing stories during this pandemic. I honestly can't believe how accurately Pandemic predicted the public reaction to It's COVID. crazy. Hang it's on, cr- let me finish. Okay, okay. On
1: to my question. Yep. Yeah. Oh, no. Not on to my question. That's not about COVID. I would love... We haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. A lot. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I threw this up on Instagram and Facebook, but if you guys have a chance to go back and re- reread Pandemic and look at... Look at also the the the, the tweets and the, the text messages between people. And then if you go in and look at the flabbergasted reaction of a very Republican conservative um, administration, which is in, and religious administration, which is in pandemic, they are like, in a nutshell, they're like, but we have the cure. All they have to do is drink this thing, and they won't drink it? And... People in the book are flabbergasted, but I have been spooked out to the gills that something I wrote in 2013, published in 2015, basically reads like it was the internet today when you read about people tweeting back and forth. It's it's verbatim. It's five and six years ahead of its time, and it's verbatim. If you get a chance, go read it. If you have the hardcover, flip through it, or the the Kindle book, flip through it. Look for the, the Twitter comments. It's bonkers how close it is to what is happening now, and sadly... I knew this was going to happen. I'm not trying to be like a prognosticator. I knew this. Was gonna, I could, but you did the work. You I could see where things are going. I'm like, you know yeah. what? When we get a really bad disease and we have a cure for it, it's going to get politicized. It's going to get radicalized. And there are going to be people, smart people that you love in your family, so to speak, who will not take the medicine that would keep them fucking alive and keep the pathogen from spreading. That's the biggest thing you got out of a pandemic. Too. The whole plot is based around the pathogen spreading because people won't take the inoculant and things mutating because there is a larger body of biological environment for them in which to replicate and mutate. It's really crazy.
2: And the weird thing for me as a a medicinal chemist, which is about how... Drugs work or chemicals work in the body. That was my education. The thing that I don't get is this. No, it's my body, my choice. I'm like, yeah, you want your body to have literally every tool in its tool chest. And the thing about a coronavirus is any coronavirus vaccine may not does definitely not does, but may help you with other things. Why wouldn't you? I I don't understand it all. I'm just going to move on. I'm going to answer
1: Trent's question. Trent asks. Um, Trent Lewis asked, "Scott, did you always plan to do that to Greedock, or as part of the evolution of the story?" Bro, it's seated in the rookie. It's it, the 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 building blocks of that are seated in the rookie. And when you when you find and and that was to set up, so you wouldn't think it was ridiculous when you read the part about sequential herma, hermaphroditism, which I think is in the All Pro. And so yeah, it, this. There's a lot of discovery in the GFL series, but the vast majority of it has, I would say, has been planned since I was 19. So
2: uh, I have a very quick, rapid-fire question from our friend Larry. Hit it. Kenny.: Yep. Is the Stone Wolves going to be
1: a graphic <laughs> audio deal?: Yes. What we have a, a, oh, we yeah. have a, I love those guys, man. They're the yeah, best. They're terrific. They the are best. so
2: good to us. They are such lovely people. In case you don't know this, but you love Graphic Audio, they're a very tiny team, and they have been working together for years, and we only found that out recently, so they're a lot like us. And yes, uh, uh, Graphic Audio has a first-look deal for all the GFL books, no matter what their name is, no matter what uh, I mean, the name of the book is, no matter if they're a novel or a novella. They don't have to choose them all, but so far they've chosen them all. So, yes, is the answer. And so, if you like, uh, sorry, go ahead. You were going to say. I'm just going to
1: say, it. these guys are so friggin' cool uh, that we had a deal with them for Earthcore. Oh, I love that you're going to tell
2: this. It's and, such a nice thing.
1: And they got ready to put Earthcore right about the time that Mount Fitzroy was coming out. And part of our strategy, A and I, of course, are, are a two person mom and pop shop with some incredible, wonderful, hardworking, talented people. As contractors as part of the family. Basically, it's you know, it's A and I. So we we had spent six years working on the Mount Fitzroy deal. It's trying to make Mount Fitzroy become an audible book so that they would put their massive marketing power behind Mount Fitzroy and sell it as book two of a series. So that people would go buy Earthcore, which is all us, and that is the biggest seller we've had. And it's got the biggest royalty. And it's great. Graphic Audio put out this, their adaptation of Earthcore, and it was out. At the same time, Mount Fitzroy is going to come out. And we basically said, hey, would you guys put that on hold? Because we don't want people to go to Audible learning about me for the first time, finding Earthcore. And, um, we, got to talk, we actually got to talk yeah. about this after. It's a little confusing to me. Yeah. But in a nutshell, they put the whole product they they put the whole project on hold for us for a while so that we could benefit from all the work we put in. It was very nice of them, yeah. and we appreciate it.
2: So here's the thing: uh, Scott is on the graphic audio side. If you actually want to hear these, you can probably buy them there. What we asked for was, can you please take it down? Because this was this was our goal to have Fitzroy kind of raise the tide of Earthcore, and they were like, yeah. Let me check.
1: I think they were done with it too. They were just—it was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, Very it was. Nice. It
2: was in in production. Okay. It was in process, and and it took literally two days for them to be like, okay, cool. Can we get this? Like, is this the adjustment we can make? And we made it, and it's lovely. And they're really terrific people. Yeah. Uh, Scott Br- Brzovsky asks mm-hmm. my question: Punch Drive Gravity Wells. Mm-hmm. How do they work?
1: <laughs> well, uh, get the stone walls. Oh, that's a good question. I'm Uh, not being flippant at all. There is a, the the only explanation you will get for how they work is in the Stone Wolves. And I cannot, I cannot say this. I cannot underestimate. There are going to be eight books, eight novels in GFL series. You do not need to read any of the novellas except for the Stone Wolves. There is stuff in the Stone Wolves that happens that you will need to read when you get to GFL book eight, when things get nutty. So that that is my answer to you. So you uh, at very least want to read books one through eight in the Stone Wolves. Yeah.
2: Our good, gracious, wonderful friend Bye and J C. Hutchins in the Stone what? Wolves is here in that chat room. So what? if you are li- you are watching live, not listening to the podcast, J C. Hutchins, who has oh shit, I think it's Black J C. Hutchins. Oh my goodness, God damn figure it! That out. What? <laughs> shit! Can you figure out? I'll just uh, talk while uh, we do this, Hutch.
1: If you're watching, I just <laughs> went to respond to you. And it fucking blocked you because I can't figure out technology. So, hey, talk for a second. Let me see if I Okay, so I'm going to talk for
2: a little while. As Shit. you guys know,
1: uh, JC, I'll go back a little ways. If you only know God Scott from it. Audible,
2: you may not know Scott from Podcasts. He started a podcast in 2005, and JC Hutchins be- started a beautiful podcast called The Seventh Son not too long after that. And, uh, they God, had dear. a rivalry for ages in the pod, in, in the the new age of the podcast fiction thing and they traded back and forth and there are easter eggs in jc hutchins books to Scott Sigler books and vice versa. Since he accidentally blocked him, I will say go to jchutchins.net if you want to read the Seventh Son series, which Can you I, want I, to I read cannot seventh fucking son believe series. I just did that? I'm
1: am am very keep, upset. Keep looking
2: for a second. I will also say this um, JC Hutchins has a uh, terrific. Um, Family, a terrific career, everything else. And he has chosen not to be on social media because social media is a dumpster fire. So I will say it again. You go to jchutchins.net and you can find out a lot more about his books. I cannot recommend The Seven Son series enough. It's I will also really say good. if you read or loved You Social Networking that Scott wrote, that is completely in J.C. Hutchins' world. That is in J.C. Hutchins' Seven Son or universe or whatever the hutch hutch just hutch, hutchverse um i don't know what that would be called so he's working on that so sorry hutch i know you're there and i love you thanks hutch <laughs> sorry hutch up. And All right, uh, we can't
1: spend forever in this. Go go, go ahead asking, if you want keep asking uh, questions while so so I to figure see. this out.
2: Um Jonathan Seidman says, Will we see any more Patrick O'Doyle and Bertha Libraries?"
1: Absolutely, you will. I don't know when I will get to it, but I will do the best. You know, we're gonna switch to this camera so it looks like I'm looking at the camera while I'm actually trying to read. Yeah, and good figure job, out good job. How to get Hutch unblocked. Uh, but yes, we we um I don't know how much to say at this point because I have Overpromised so many things to you guys, and I don't want to do that anymore. We've worked an enormous amount of hours to try and deliver on the things that we promised, and we're coming we're up the, on it. the end of that mission is the crypt. And when we get the crypt book one and two out, we will have delivered on all the promises we made to all of you guys. Yep. And we're then there, there we have plans for other things. but We can't talk about them right now because I have learned to stop promising shit. We are learning. We
2: want to do all the things, but we're only human. So I will also... uh, Maria says she can help with the unblocking. Hang one sec. I'm just going to give this to you while (laughs) you do it.
1: All right. Thanks, Maria. It's
2: Restream.io. All right. Here we Um, go. So I will also uh, ask... if This is a yes or no question. Jonathan Simon also asks... Spoiler alert. He says that. Chris, not me.
1: Were the roctopi under Mount Fitzroy the last of their species? Oh, uh... Oh, my God. Come on, man. Come on, man. I got to ask you. Uh, have you read all the GFL? Have you read all the Hi, uh, Since we're a spoiler alert, the answer is no. no. They are not the last of their species. Uh, I will let the chat room take care of this. Chat room justice. I will let the chat room take care of this, but you will see them again in GFL book eight. All righty,
2: okay. Uh, Andy Dane says, as we've now found out, the origin of Greedock's
1: the Splithead title. Mm-hmm. What was he before he was a Splithead? Oh my gosh, uh, uh, John named John Viscara. If you're in the house, I think he may have had a name, but I don't quite recall what it is. So uh, I'm gonna try this dashboard shit over here. Uh, um,
2: secondary question: Do, And does this mean no, that Quith can
1: change their names if it no longer applies? Okay. All right, this is uh this is some football shit going down right here. All right, so uh, I'm gonna work. Maria's trying to help us with the unblocking thing, which I swear to God, I already know I will never live this town. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do I just, it
2: because I do a whole I bunch just, of
1: stupid shit. <laughs> I just had my co-author for my new book show up unannounced to chat and hang out with everybody, and then I accidentally blocked him. Who doesn't participate in social media still joined. <laughs> If I wrote this in a book, A and John Descargo, that's unrealistic. It's not going to work. You can't put that in a book. Okay. What was the question? Oh, you can't give yourself a nickname. Part of the, thank you, Clover, part of the the point of the nicknames, and of course, is sports-based, sports-based, yeah, sports gay uh, and gangster-based. People in sports, you don't get to give yourself a nickname. It's not how it works. When you are a made guy or an on your way, being a made person, you don't get to call yourself. You know what I think, Scott the the the, the, the smell girthy. Scott the smell good Sigler is a great gang shame. I want to be Scott the smell good. You know, like you know what? It's not that you don't smell good, but we think you We think you're a little bit. You know. Scott the Shrinky. From now on, you're the Shrinky. Hey, everybody, welcome the Shrinky to the club. And then you are the Shrinky for the rest of your life. And that is that is it. So, uh, no, he did not, Gridak did not get to give himself that nickname. That nickname was given to him by his organization. And that is the way it works for Alquith. You do not get give yourself a nickname. All then. Okay, how are you doing? I'm not doing well. I can't believe it. Is. And Maria said she was going to help us and then and there's been nothing. no text from Maria. <laughs> Thank you, Maria. Okay, so out.
2: Sean, uh not Sean. Uh Nathan Harris. Oh, I already did that. I I didn't realize that I hadn't deleted it. Let me do that. We're um, going to go
1: a little bit longer than 90 minutes just because we've screwed this up.
2: Mike Jant says, I have always liked Scott's take on aliens. It seems he's really taken the time to think about their environments and then pick up elements from real animals that would most likely develop within those environments. Thank you, sir. Where did the idea for the Gibble Oh, yeah, we've... So, I'm, I'm well, sorry. i might quickly. have answered that, But hang on. Let me ask the rest okay. of the question in case. And a copying transformation come from... Is there any real-world basis for this, or is it just another example of Scott has some real crazy ideas in that head of his? The Gangster was awesome, and I cannot uh, wait to listen, read to the next book. Gibel
1: Juance is a combination of a, a bee, the royal jelly concept of bee, where they can select a female to become a queen instead of become a worker, and it is a combination with that and sequential hermaphroditism. so clownfish and other species, which... Uh, go through the process of sequential hermaphroditism. So it is a hormonally triggered sequential hermaphroditism selection.
2: Ryan Winkleman asks, is Tara the freak, uh, Tara the freak was the last of his egg. So was he castrated or is he still
1: fertile? Oh, Tara the freak. No, there's definitely there. Just because you make it out of the egg with your junk intact doesn't mean that the quith culture is going to allow you to walk around with big swing and junk. It's not the way it works. Uh, it's a it is a it is not a culture that any human anywhere would ever find to be acceptable. That, that's basically it. Uh,
2: Kurt asks, with these lines of power that Q, quote, and er, parenthesis and his dad yep. see, is there any chance that they are descendants of Donald Donnie Darko of the Middlesex, Virginia Darkos? No. Have you seen that
1: movie? Yes.
2: Oh, good. I wasn't even sure if he would seen that movie. Yes, I have. And the answer is no. My uh, question, Eric Warnock asks, says, uh, my question may have been asked and answered before, but I have never heard it. Will there ever be a sequel to Nocturnal? I'd
1: love to hear more about Brian and Pookie. I'll make this as short as possible. That is one of the things that I will not promise you because I am still Spending the past friggin' 10 years delivering on shit I promised I couldn't deliver. My vision for Nocturnal, which I may never get to, is three sequels, one graphic novel, one prequel. And if all went well, a video game, all of which would factor into the timeline. But uh, the, the you, if you see a sequel, if you see Nocturnal 2, get drunk and enjoy it, because that's probably going to be the last one you see. <laughs>
2: Dirk Peter Smith, our good friend in the Netherlands, asks Is there, uh, let's see, um, if you could pick three characters from the Siglerverse Mm -hmm. and write a story where they get together, who would you pick right now and what would that story be about? Three. anybody in the Siglerverse? I'm
1: still distracted by the fact that I fucking blocked J.C. Hutchins.
2: I know, it's rough. It's very rough. It's very a- rough. Ask me the question again. Oh shit! Um, if you could pick three characters from the singleverse and mm-hmm. write a story where they get together in that story, who would you pick, and what would the story be about? <laughs> Choosing right now.
1: I guess, of course, Pookie Chang asked me in the mix because he's uh, he's Pookie Chang. He's my he's the person I want to be is Pookie Chang. So I would definitely go with Pookie Chang. Um, I think I would go with old school Greed Out the Splithead because uh, oh. he was he was the bad guy. But man, was he efficient. He was efficient as all get out. He brooked no bunk from people who gave him the back talk. No back talk to Greet Exploded. So with Pookie, I'll go with uh, Greta Exploded, and I'm probably going to throw uh, Denver in there, because I think that'd be a pretty good pretty Blah, 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 blah. There's three very different personalities. Put them in the mix, see what happens. Uh,
2: let's see. Joseph Stronger said, In the new book one of The Crypt, will we see a similar format to the original, i.e. a collection of short stories <laughs> okay. about the different
1: members of the crew, or will the high concept be different? We have discussed this in-house many times, and what we are going with is, I'll make this as fast as possible. Cryptic One, I really enjoyed. It was a photo-inverse of Lost. And Lost, do all these people get to the island and not know how they got there and you would gradually get their backstories. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we got all of the reasons they had to go to the island except we don't know what the island is. So that is what book zero of the Crypt Crew Stories was meant to be. How do all of these disparate people wind up getting put on this ship that everybody knows is bad but you don't get to know what the ship is or why it's bad. That was the gist of that. What we have figured out, as A and I have have done a lot of strategy sessions trying to figure out how to best entertain people and how to make the most money from the world of science fiction books, is you're going to see, book one is we called Shakedown. Spoiler alert, book one will be Shakedown. You're going to get crew stories threaded throughout the book except Captain Travis Ellis on trial and then Captain Travis Ellis showing up to the crypt are probably going to be chapters one and two. So you get a sense of that mystery, a sense of that reveal, and then that ship is sent right out. The crew is not integrated. The crew is not properly trained. No one is prepared for about what for what is about to happen. And what is about to happen what a, let's go what is about to happen is an enormous amount of psychopaths doing psychopathic thing, blood hallucinations, metaphysical crap, and all kinds of dream world shit going down. And then as we go through it, you'll start to meet the crew, and then gradually threaded throughout books one, two, three, and four, you will start to see those backstories of the crew and how they got there. So this is I'll finish this up by saying. This is a next level challenge to my writing skill. There are authors who have done this. Stephen King is one of them who can actually kill a character in chapter 1, then bring back that character in flashbacks and later chapters, still provide a sense of mystery as to how the dead character influences other characters and how it'll change the plot. So there's I haven't figured it out yet, but you will it's basically, you know, the starship Enterprise populated by the by Jesse Pinkman and uh, and a lot of really bad people doing an enormous amount of math.
2: I would go where Jesse Pinkman is. I'm not going to lie to you okay. guys. I am not. I will also say, in the chat room tonight, if you're listening to the podcast, that's the live chat room on Sigler and Place on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time mm-hmm. on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Um, Modine Gunch says she would oh, have Ma clear. Tweety, Pookie, and I don't know. I can answer that for you. My choice would be Ma Tweety, Pookie, and Jenny Two Shoes.
1: <laughs> oh, Jenny...
2: Or the Rosalind Franklin? Probably the Rosalind Franklin. Now that I say that out loud, probably the Rosalind Franklin. But um,
1: uh, do you see black
2: uh, on here? No. Filtering, filtering. Maybe, yeah. Do that. Um, so I think that would be great. And if you guys are unfamiliar with the Rosalind Franklin, that is a sort of a sentient. <sighs> oh shit! Yes. We got, you
1: what, what do you think? What would what would Hutch's name be in here? He's Hutch course, uh, Just is search. down at the bottom. Down at the bottom.
4: Hutch down is, is going to Oh there he is!
1: <laughs> hutch, 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 my man. We're gonna text you <laughs> after. <laughs> if you're still out there, feel free to pop into the chat room. Oh my goodness. Because holy crap did I fuck that up. Oh my oh, goodness. This is a this is a big one, Elizabeth. This is a big one. I'm okay. Next question, baby girl. All
2: right. Scott Miller says, uh, this is a uh Earthcore Mount Fitzroy question. Are the cool suits used in the G oh. No, it isn't. Are the cool suits used in the GFL era descendants of the Earth-based company that manufactured suits during the Mount Fitzroy era? Or did Angus share their design with hey, his new Hutch travel
1: Hutch is, in the, house. And Hush 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 is in the house! and gentlemen. Look, Everybody... <laughs> Please give J.C. Hutchins, co-author of The Stone Wolves, a big... (laughs) Thank you so much for staying the course, my love. (laughs) Oh my goodness. A big welcome in the chat room. Everybody say hi to J.C. Hutchins. Sorry, Hutch. All of the things I said. But you I know said. what, Hutch, you've known me for, for a lot, 15 years. <laughs> this is I'm very sure you're unrest. not surprised by any of this. Everything I said while Hutch was <laughs> not reinstated
2: still stands. Go to jchutchins.net. Oh, Check Lord. out every story Ooh. there. Uh, absolutely start Ugh. with the Seven Sun series. You will see relationships to you, social networking, among other things now, in the verse. and it's all beautiful and Maria, wonderful, and you should Maria, do Maria,
1: you did not solve the problem, but you did did sleep at a holiday Inn express last night so you got that going for you which right. is nice next one let's go uh
2: let's see uh, la, 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 la. um you didn't answer the are the cool suits used yes. in the GFL
1: or? yeah okay absolutely you will find a a a brand of the cool suit in the embedded technology that is the suits in the GFL good uh Jared
2: miller asks uh Oh, no, I already asked that. Sorry. I have trouble remembering to delete that.
1: What is Ali Kirby's on? We got a couple people on LinkedIn. That's kind of fun. It took me it a is. while to get that hooked um, up. Welcome.
2: Jeff Eckelberg asks, another great book slash podcasted story
1: line in the can. I am now wondering if Quentin Barnes and his father and I, sister. F- hold on. I fucking did it again. There must be something different about I can. But now I know what to do. There's something different about the way you. The LinkedIn chat is. Oh, my God. Yeah. I fucking booted him again. Here's the thing. There is no, t- there is no. Oh, I see the problem now. The it, Hutch is on LinkedIn and all of the other YouTube and Facebook, they all, <laughs> the first option is reply. And Hutch only has ad block list to, <laughs> if you're on LinkedIn. And you're on this cast, there's one option, which is suck a bag of dicks and blocking you. It's the only, yeah. But it's muscle memory now to click it, hit reply, and then reply. So Hutch, I don't know if... It, yes, Steve, I know you can't take me. Anymore. Hutch, I cannot reply to you, but Jesus, welcome. Okay, you can next just, question. Just reply. That would be fine. You know what I can do? I can do this. I can do this. Go to LinkedIn. No. Nope. No, you can't. No. Nope. Okay. It's read only. LinkedIn is very, very precious about. Oh, my god, we, we don't let just anyone stream. Only people who are business influencers may just stream. Just say
2: hutch colon and answer. Do that. I will I will finish this question. Uh, Jeff Ackelberg asks another great book slash podcasted story in the can. I am now wondering if Quentin Barnes and his father and his sister Janine are descendants of M. Savage.
1: Okay. This is, listen to me very carefully. In fact, let's go to Scott Cam. Listen to me very, very carefully. I cannot answer that question at this time because it would be a spoiler. But you are going to want to sequester yourself for some time to listen to GFL book seven and book eight. That's all I can say at this time.
2: Dot Bren Silber asks... Give a shout-out to a fellow author.
1: To, uh, to Dat Bransilver?
2: No, no, that's who asked it. So Dat like, Bransilver asked, give a shout-out to another.
1: I would suggest the one you blocks. I it. will give a shout-out to J.C. Hutchins. <laughs> J.C. Hutchins, the author of The Stone Wolves. Let's give a shout-out to J.C. Hutchins, author of The Stone Wolves. Also, in my audiobook right now are Joe Abercrombie and uh, Nicholas, Nicholas, Nicholas Smith. smith Nicholas An- lot champagne. Nicholas Ansbury smith Jerobo Crombie, two of my favorite jams. The, all their books dropped yesterday along with The Stone Wolves. It's kind of great. All right, let's go. Paul Wal-
2: Waldron asks, where do you come up with the names for characters and items in the Siglerverse?" So I know mm. I'm going to spell these words wrong as I listen, not read. Cool, cool, cool. But uh
1: The Toltefine? Mm. Does he just randomly type letters on the keyboard and see what oh, comes no. up? There's literally a process to this. What you may find if you ever decide you want to make up names of people so you put together names usually two to three sometimes four syllables first name and last name what you will find is uh in this interconnected world you will say schmugat and you will google that and you'll be like what the fuck there's a guy named schmugat what there's a guy named schmugat it's and when you are coming up with literally thousands of names You kind of go through everything in high school and mixtures of that, everything in college. Then you start going through the phone book, and then you start to go, and then you start thinking, well, I can do this. And it turns out there are names for those things. And sometimes the names you make up turn out to be words that are in urban dictionary and they're not good. They're not, they're not very good at all. So you start to look for how do I find a name that's not Googleable, which is more of a challenge than you think. And then Mm -hmm. you start thinking, let me come up with the word that's not Googleable," also more of a challenge than you think. So the process is I slap together a few syllables, I Google it, and, and it has to come up. There has to be nothing even close to it for me to pick it as a name for a thing in this, for an item in the single verse.
2: And even now, things get a little bit weird because the word he show, chose, shu, shu, shugat? Shmugat. Shmugat. Uh, last week on the other q and I mentioned that I'm a big fan of Richard Cadry. And he has um, something in his Sandman Slim that's called the shogat. And so for what? me, when he said schmugat... Are you kidding me? No. Not see, no. that's what I'm talking that's about. That's what I'm talking about. So when he said schmugat, I was like, no, no, oh, we can't. We you, let's can't. Let's you can't. You can't. You can't use one. that. Can't use let's that. No, we have to do one before okay. that. Uh, it was ne- my next question anyway, Sean, but I appreciate the help. Uh, Sean.
1: You did not, John Viscara, know a guy named Sotweed Schnibble. No, you did not. Stop I it. I
2: absolutely knew a guy in college named Timex Nasty.
1: <laughs> that's he, my he poor ch- name. He
2: changed his name to Timex Nasty, <laughs> but it was still his actual name. Uh, uh, Sean Dyer asked, without necessarily naming them, are there any books you didn't enjoy the first time through and went back later just to see if oh, you feel you the same way? Oh, you mean reading them? <laughs> reading them twice. Oh my God.
1: Let's start with Dune. Uh, Dune, I didn't make it through the first three chapters. And I was like, of course, I was a very young lad, but I was like, this is very stupid. This doesn't make any sense. And I came back and reread it. I, I think I read it the first time I was in the sixth grade. And I read again when I was 18. And it was this giant scope shift of Life awareness to read when you're 18. I read it again when I was, uh, I think, uh, 26. And I think again when I was 30. And I read it again two years ago. And it is a never-ending cornucopia of fucking fantastic. So that is probably the single biggest one would be doom. Yes.
2: And what's interesting about that is I've done that same book three times. Mm-hmm. I've never finished Never got it? it? I've okay. never even gotten halfway through it's not it's for me because it doesn't incredible.
1: work for me. Incredible,
2: I know. And I it's want incredible. it to be incredible. I tried watching the crummy, crazy movie because who doesn't love Sting? Could never get through it. Sting
1: looked good in that movie. He sting looked was so good, good in that movie. Top top it it was pretty See, good. See, now... You know That's what? all that tangent. That's a side, quick, side t- quick side tangent. Now... Whoever the f you are, whether you're in a sitcom, you're a stand-up comic, whoever you are, you're like, okay, you're gonna be the, you're gonna be a male character in a Marvel movie. We're gonna send your ass to the gym for six months. Say goodbye. Say goodbye to your family, and then the dude walks out at the end of six months like. <laughs> I that have a wasn't what pack. It, That wasn't what it was when Dune came out. It wasn't. I watched every movie that came out when Dune came out. I know the movies. Dudes look fucking. You know, little rip, little buff. They didn't look like Sting. Sting had like what, like one sliver of onion for a month before that movie. <laughs> All right, let's go. Next question. Oh wait, can how we, how we ask you? this one? Good. James James Coleman Coleman asks, okay, okay, I have an interesting question. Why, let's put the chat room. Why collaborate? I mean, you don't have to. It must always be a risk. Whose name is bigger and stuff? A lot of risk. So, why the chance? What are the rights? Great. This is great. We'll go into this. This might take a minute, but basically, I am a student of the marketing acumen that is James Patterson. James Patterson is one of the most mathematical, analytical authors in the world. Incredibly successful, probably outside of J.K. Rowling, probably the best paid author, bar none, because he's approaching a business perspective. He analyzed how, what successful thriller books, what elements they had, basically created a mathematical formula, started writing that formula, had massive success. Then he started to look at Rodan and other authors, and like who are creators who somehow outsourced their source material, and made other people create replicas of what he did so that then he could make money off the work of other people. And James Patterson is, without a doubt, one of the most brilliant marketers, authors, and business people going. So I started to study that, and I'm like, you know what? That works. makes a lot of sense. I'm going to find other people who can write in my world, and I'm going to therefore be able to write five or six books a year instead of two. That is how I started doing the novellas. And what I found out was I apparently my butthole is that tiny and I'm too much of an anal freak to be able to let other people come in and write a thing. So I have to be, I start to read. I'm like, that's not right, that's not right. And part of what wasn't right was I was asking people like Paul Cooley to write a book without telling them all of the stuff that was planned for the next 10 years. So of course Paul Cooley's writing stuff that doesn't that clashes with what's coming, and then I have to go in and fix it without telling them what's coming down. What's what's coming down the alley? It said coming down the pipe, but I said my butthole's that big, so it didn't, it didn't work out. And But we did find with Hutch that there was so much less of that, because Hutch is such a, was a fan of the GFL. The, so basically what happened was, if I want people writing the GFL, I'm like, at one point it was like, read these two books, read this novella, throw me a synopsis, let's get to work. That worked pretty good. Merle Lafferty, back doing the report, mm-hmm, worked out pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, uh, by, uh, Matt
2: Wallace too Matt, just a, Wall- a Matt Wallace things, yeah.
1: eventually we got to the point I'm like go read these five novels and these five novellas and here's the series bible so now I'm basically asking for three or four months of a creator's time to consume enough of the world to be able to tell a story it's just it became too much to ask so Hutch was the last of the novellas Hutch and, <laughs> Hutch and I started this book five years ago and we almost yeah Six, oh, no,
2: you're right. You're right. Five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah.
1: We almost bailed on it because it's just like, it's just what I was asking of other creators was ludicrous. But Hutch, uh, Hutch was able to kind of stand in there. Mm-hmm. And I also had given up on the press. like, I can't tell you what's coming down the pipe. I was like, here's everything... <laughs> Here's, here's how the series ends, dude. So it's basically Hutch, A, and John are the only people who know how GFL book 8 ends. And uh, he killed it. And that's, So that's why we did the novellas. It was a business strategy to get more people involved, to create more product for you guys. I also found the good side was people like Hutch and Paul Cooley uh, and Murr Came up with angles and characters I would not have come up with, period. And I love them, so that was fun. The problem was I had to rewrite everything because I, I can't just let it go. Because for the GFL, it, it has to follow a particular source book and timeline. I cannot deviate. When you read book eight, you'll understand, but there is no margin for error.
2: And you guys will know this if you have been listening or reading or watching for a while. Uh, Scott has been writing the GFL series. The first iteration of the GS- GFL series, the pieces of the characters started when he was six years old. He started these ideas for characters that, are, or species, I guess is not characters so much at six. So yeah, that's a whole lifetime, dude. You don't even get your personality until you're seven. But we have his first uh, iterations of the the species that he wants. To work with mm. as a very 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 young human being.
1: Answer, answer this one when you're done. And
2: uh, and so it's it. I don't know that he didn't know what he didn't know about being able to share that. And I, we did have several collaborators who got to a point where um, he mentioned with Hutch. He and Hutch are good friends too, so they just went went round and round about it and hutch was like yeah i feel like this, this and i feel like, this. like this. I, it's because i keep switching it's not okay. we're like this i think um and uh and uh the the initial iteration of what we were having hutch do uh for mt set changed so much and it made the stone wolves happen it made it real that's how it happened but Hutch knew the story so well, and Scott so well, and Scott knew Hutch so well, and they were you know, in real life friends and collaborators before, that I think that that made it okay for Hutch to be like, yeah, I'm not doing that, or no, that's not going to happen, or this is going to take me 15 years if you want to do it this way, let's find a better way. And and Scott was like, all right, I can live without this, but I need this or whatever, and it worked a little bit better. I will also say, we're not going to talk about who, we're not going to talk about what those stories were, but there are several ideas that we had for short story collaborations, novella collaborations that didn't pan out once we realized that Scott knows so much more about the singular verse than every other human on earth, uh, that it, it was unfair and it, and it
1: wouldn't meet the end goal. We started writing one with uh, Nathan Lowell and, um, I, I, we, we thought Nathan could be great at writing the gangster and the act story. We got it back. And it was very, like, the pitch in the first three chapters were great, but it was just like, okay, this is not at all what I thought Greedag was going to be. And then we just, like, that's when we started to close ranks. We're like, this is done. This is out. But Hutch Hutch is the only one who could deliver that particular story. And you
2: guys, if you haven't yet purchased the Stonewolves or you haven't yet started it,
1: oh, it's so worth it. Uh, james Coleman asks, to follow up, you're not able to collab anymore. What would your dream author to collab with? Just when I thought I was out there putting me back in pff, James Patterson you put out a james Patterson book you uh your your name is much more prominent and so basically the answer is is nobody i we're for the first time in our in my writing career, we're turning down projects from. People who want us to write a book to do a thing and we have to say, you know, that's a lovely offer and I would love to do it. I can't do it. As I've often said, I'm the person everybody wants to take to prom because they never say no. We started to say no a lot because we have to get the crypt out.
2: I was just going to ask him, Scott Sigler, why are you saying no? But he already, he spoiled it before I could even ask
1: because the uh, crypt God, Jason cons. Brown. Jason Brown, how dare you offend me like this? Jason Brown asked the insolent, insolent question of, "So we're calling a 17-hour audiobook a novella? How dare? No, no, you?
2: no, no. We're gonna be nice, uh, oh. Jason. You might have you might have joined a little bit late. I actually talked about this in this episode because the novellas in the GFL talk about non-primary. They're not Quentin, and they're not the Krakens. No novels oh, yeah. have the Quen- have Quentin as a as a main character." And the Krakens. It's about the Krakens (coughs) journey. And if it's not that, it's not a novel. Now, you are correct. Scott is with you. Scott would vastly prefer to
1: call The Stone Wolves a novel. I've been fighting for it. Like, fighting it's a goddamn it. novel, goddammit.
2: Spoiler alert, if you if you listen to the audiobook, he calls it a novel.
1: Uh, uh, real quick, James Coleman asks, oh, so you wouldn't collaborate with J.K. Rowling or Stephen King? Uh, yes, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a difference My between a collaboration and a hire. That would work. Mo- yeah. Most of the people I would want to collaborate with, of course, those two are effing legends, are movie people. Mm-hmm. James Cameron, uh, James Cameron can phone up anytime he wants, say, I want you to do this, and I'm going to do that. And uh, Quentin Tarantino, if that ever showed up, done, sold, I'm in, don't care, don't have to get paid, it's fine. Well. I have to get paid, yeah, but I but will it's do fine. it. Okay.
2: Uh, I think we're kind of done because this Do podcast is questions? now too... No, not oh, anywhere near. Right. We have like a zillion questions left. So we have so many questions. I tried to ask at least one from everybody who emailed in, but I don't think I got there. If you join us on Sigler Place every Wednesday night, not next Wednesday night, but every other Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch tv slash scott sigler uh, youtube.com slash scott sigler or facebook.com slash scott sigler you will answer we will answer all the rest of these questions i promise we're gonna get to them we're gonna. Get we to have them. so i literally have like 60 more questions here. oh my god it's <laughs> so many questions. i told them like i'm like no i'll get through them all tonight no i'll just keep it short i'll well, keep it short we can't have a two-hour no podcast too much more so we have to to get done so i am going to tell you that again we are not Having a Sigler in place next Wednesday. If you're listening to the podcast, we are not... Uh, we are going to, starting uh, Friday morning at 6 a.m., we're going to be shipping the gangster finally to you guys. So we're going to be a little out of pocket. You can see us a lot on social media, probably. We'll be doing a handful of live vignettes. If you have any questions about your gangster order, if you have any questions about anything else, you can email them to info empty set. But we'll be a little bit busy for the next couple of weeks. So uh, in the meantime, let's see. Uh, you... Uh, oh should always send any questions you have about anything. The best thing for you to do, info yeah. at empty you guys.
1: Like this right here. Easiest
2: way. That always comes to me. I always get an alert. It always comes to me. We get alerts. That that's the best way. Don't email me on Facebook. I won't even be there till Christmas. Mm-hmm. I promise you. No. So uh, in the meantime, we still need you to absolutely stay safe, you guys. We're not out yet.
1: We need you to stay smart. We
2: absolutely need you to stay science. And
1: for the love love of science, go reread Pandemic and watch how laughably predictable all of this BS was. And a lot of people knew this was coming. It wasn't just me. And you know what? Won't happen if you actually stay informed, use credible sources. Scientists have PhDs for a reason for a reason, so stay informed. Check out J.C. Hutchins other stuff at J.C. Hutchins. Check out the Wolves. And again, I would like to publicly apologize to J.C. Hutchins for blocking him not once, but twice during this cast. Sorry, Hutch! That's the way it goes. We absolutely love you, Hutch. You know that.
2: <laughs> and I love that he did that accidentally.
1: <laughs> so we're
2: going to kiss off into the either here. Kiss off we into the sky. You, th- we
1: love you a lot. That's mm-hmm. it. Good night. Mwah! You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler, engineered by Steve Rickyberg, copyright 2020, Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon.